Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. We are about three weeks away from the Planet Microcap Showcase virtual on December 6th through 8th, 2022. On day one of the event, we'll be hosting the first ever Stock Pitch World Cup, five global areas, five moderators, 20 total stock pitches. Joining us to moderate each special session is Maj Swaydan, representing the US, Paul Andriola, representing Canada. Fadi Diab, representing Australia, Jason Hirschman, representing Europe, and Kelvin Sito, representing Asia. The only way to see the Stock Pitch World Cup is by registering now. And then on day two and three will be presentations for microcap management teams, as well as one-on-one meetings. Attendance for the virtual is complimentary for investors, and registration is now open for our virtual events. So to join us, please visit www.planetmicrocapshowcase.com. Now for this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Vank Zhu, full-time private investor. Prior to becoming a full-time investor, as well as working at Etsy, Vank previously covered the freight transports sector on the sell side and parlayed that experience and launched a substack called Planes, Trains, and Trucks. Even though he hasn't updated his substack for a little bit, he has a wealth of knowledge about the space and thought it'd be interesting to learn more about the freight transports sector. He also happened to compete on season 29 of The Amazing Race. So I guess it's all very appropriate that not only did Vank compete on the reality competition show around traveling, he covered the travel sector, albeit on the freight side, for a living. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 250 of the Planet Microcap podcast. And please enjoy my conversation with Vank Zhu. This episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSets. You can find them at streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot co backslash PMC. Stream is an expert interview transcript library that is starting to become an integral part to investors' research process. They have a number of interviews on a wide variety of companies, including TMT, consumers, industrials, real estate, and more. Stream provides over 300 expert interviews per week, and 70% of their experts are found exclusively on Stream. Stream is unlike any other transcript libraries. Stream integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Stream's community of experts and thought leaders partner with Stream to build their professional brands and expand their industry influence. Right now, there are approximately 8,500 plus call transcripts available. For more information, please visit www.com 
streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co backslash PMC. Thank, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. How about you, Bobby? Oh, you know, just enough. It's, it's actually raining in LA, dude. It's very strange. We all don't know what to do with ourselves. Huh. You can't go dancing, singing in the rain or something like that? I mean, I guess you could, but then again, like I would have to have had the awareness of that's what you're supposed to do in the rain. I don't know these things. I'm in LA. This this is not, this is very strange. But uh, but listen, man, this is a, a you know, th- thanks again for jumping on. You know, we, we've hung out quite a few times at, you know, various microcap club uh, leadership summits, like, uh, obviously long overdue for again i sound like a broken record i sound like a broken record being a broken record saying that it's been long overdue so here we are again i'm doing that um and uh, i'm excited that you're joining me on here i mean uh, we've bonded over just microcap investing some of the, the crazy wacky fun stuff that we see out there and you know i thought it was time for you to to jump on here and let's let's dig into some of that so you know, for those that may not be following you or have heard of you as a full-time investor and former contestant on the Amazing Race, you know, love to hear your background and uh, uh, how you got how you got started uh, being passionate about microcap investing. Sure. So, uh, as an investor, like my dad, actually, I think a lot of us, like our parents, got us involved. So, my dad always looked at the markets from when I was very little. So, I remember sitting in college school watching these squiggly lines on. Uh, 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 Louis Lukaiser, I think it was. I can't remember now. But so that's kind of where I got started. Uh, had an idea once I graduated college, I wanted to do finance, but uh, you know it was uh, still uh, on a coming out of a great recession, so it wasn't really the best time. So I uh, had a kind of a mixed, well, uh, interesting career. That's not necessarily standard investment banking. So did a little mix of like actual consulting, and then broke into sell-side equity research covering freight transportation, uh, did two years at a distressed hedge fund, and then afterwards decided I kind of wanted to do focus more on investing in really small stuff myself, and then uh, joined kind of more of a corporate strategy, like corporate analysis, right now working at analytics at Etsy. And so that's kind of how I transitioned my career progression. So, For sure. You and Chris, man, also a guest on the show at, at JJ Shipley, right? That's awesome. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, we sit uh, really close to each other. We 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 talk about stocks. Uh, yeah, quite a bit after hours. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But how'd you get to the small stuff, man? I mean, obviously you're kind of probably covering the big stuff on the freight transportation side. But how'd you how'd you find how'd you how'd you find us? Yeah. So I mean, I started really like looking at the large stuff, but I I realized I think a lot of people realize you know the small stuff is where. You know, sometimes you're the only one looking at a stock. Like sometimes people forget about things and you can find stuff that's, that you know, uh, five to 10 bags. You can do it in a larger cap space as well, but it just feels like it, there's, it's, it's, uh, there's more of it in the nano cap, micro cap world. So that's kind of how I turn myself there. It's not like I'm, I'm exclusively focusing there. Now I'm actually looking a little bit larger cap as well. But yeah, it just, uh, that's how I, I transitioned from the really large stuff and then went to the really nano cap stuff. And now I'm coming back a little bit towards uh, more of a middle ground. For sure. All right. So I, I want to hit on one other thing too, having to do with your background is that's covering freight, freight transportation side of the business and, and that sector. And I just find it hilarious. We were talking about offline, how you covering that and also having been a contestant on the amazing race, like, I, you know, of course. Um, <laughs> so, you know, tell us a little bit about that experience. I know you had a sub stack. You haven't been updated very recently, but, you know, tell us about that experience and why that really interested you. Yeah. So I guess two part question, right? Uh, 
I guess we'll address the TV show first. Uh, TV show is fun. I applied with my good friend of mine. Uh, he he actually didn't get in. I got in. Uh, it was just like a once kind of in the. I watch the show. Big fan. Once in a kind of you know life lifetime kind of experience, and it's like go for it. Great experience. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's also in general my mentality towards life is I want to try different things, and that was definitely you know on the outside of you know of a typical uh numbers guy investing like running out seeing the world so that's kind of the the um the tv show it's a little interesting that you, that you say yeah it's uh i also do cover freight transports which is the movement of physical goods not necessarily humans to different places for tourism the transportation broadly yeah yeah okay <laughs> Planes, trains, I, I got where you're going with, though. Yeah, so it's, that's, yeah, that's, so that part of the world, it was just, uh, I mean, I always love trucks going up. I mean, I guess, like, a lot, like, a lot of, like, young, young boys, it's like, oh, trucks, trains, that's so cool. And uh, that's kind of, like, the sector I was always super interested in. As it happens, it didn't really tie into a TV show, because we were really, like, it was really, like, a very specific set of skill sets there, whereas covering freight transportation, you're more, like, running, like, supply and demand. I don't think we ran any pricing analysis while we were on Amazing Race. But, uh, and, you know, in um, our freight transportation world, we're focused a lot on, like, supply, demand, industry dynamics, stuff like that. But, yeah, I just always loved, like, transportation. I guess I always love travel and understanding, like, looking at the world broadly. You can see there's, like, a world map behind me. So it's always kind of – I guess that's how the two ties together. For sure. For sure. Uh, by the way, you know, for those that didn't see your season, how far did you get? Uh, I don't think I should – uh, I should just spoil it. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I was. Okay, all right. Here. Find out. I'm, I'm just gonna let the viewers figure it out. Yeah, I don't know spoilers here. Okay, all right. So I'll rephrase it. What was your favorite stop? I watched the Amazing Race too. I love that show. But what was your favorite leg that you were able to participate in? Uh, I mean, Norway was just gorgeous. It was like we went there. It was during like colder or polar summer there was no like the sun never set i, I just remember like afterwards they house this intense we just hung out intense uh drinking the local liquor and yeah well it got it got a little cold and a little too bright to sleep but it was it was a it was pretty pretty rip-roaring time there absolutely where was that again i'm sorry it cut out for a split second oh yeah it was like norway like Elsand oh, area so we we're just yeah that's so cool beautiful wow. country that's awesome. All right. So let, let's dig into your, your investing philosophy, your strategy a little bit more. You know, I, I mean, are, firstly, are you still covering freight transportation stuff right now? Or have you kind of transitioned away from that? You know, and, and if so, why? Uh, I mean, I cover freight transportation, uh, but not really recently, you notice. I And I do apologize if there's anyone's a sub to my sub stack. I know it's uh, been very cobwebby there. So, uh, and the reason I, I kind of started is I, I do have this background freight transports. I do love the sector. Um, I find that ultimately, I guess I, I'm more interested in investing. And between investing and, you know, working a full-time job, you know, there's not that much time in between to write a Substack stack in, in the way I want wanted to, especially dedicated time. But I mean, I I still really love the free transportation space. I think it's super interesting. It's interesting because I think also it's like, like certain uh, industries are accessible as a consumer. Like for example, Apple, you can kind of just call your phone, test out retailers, et cetera. Whereas transportation is like this B2B thing where it's kind of like you to really like get involved you have to 
you have to actually like talk to people, get out there and talk to like shippers, uh, truckers, et cetera, and really understand the industry. But it's, it's still super interesting because it's like, you know, the lifeline to the physical, the physical economy and you can kind of divine things from there. It's, it's actually re recently very interesting because you can kind of see uh, a drop off in like import freight volumes. I've been chatting with some people off and on and I'm like, yeah, this is super interesting. You can kind of see the fundamentals, at least the fundamental side kind of deteriorating in transportation world. So that's kind of why I'm doing that. Uh, I changed the microcaps because I'm more like, that's I, I love to invest in. My primary objective uh, in finance is more to necessarily to like invest and uh, find good stocks, make make money. So that's kind of why free transports took a, took a back, back seat there. For sure. But I mean, to be fair, at the time you started it, I mean, I mean, what was supply chain was probably the biggest word or phrase being thrown about, you know, when it comes to excuses and not. Uh, OK, that that actually was a real problem for people. I'm not saying it was an excuse for everyone, but for some, you know, but like that. So covering the space during that time, especially or making public your some of your thoughts on on the space and what's going on picked a pretty good time to really to really put your thoughts out there on what's going on especially as supply chain i mean still continues to be an issue today yeah yeah for sure i mean i i kind of wish i had another copy of me to kind of keep, keep up with speed yeah i also realized that i also like personally i'm a kind of a capital cycle tourist we can cover that a little later but i, I like to i prefer when things are um things are almost on a downswing like a trough areas like i like to find things where things are ignored and forgotten and as of uh a year ago two years ago there's just in transport i don't short so i was like well transportation is red hot i don't think it's gonna continue forever maybe it'll take another year or so and then i just wasn't i i also lost interest in that sense it was like everything was just basically red hot and the, the question was how long was it going to last and how high it was going to go yeah absolutely i mean hey you want to talk about troughs just microcaps in general like throw Throw, throw a dart at any sector right now, microcaps, and then we're in a trough <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right now. Um, so then, I mean, when you're, when you're looking at let, let using, just using that background for now, you know, in freight transportation, you know, what, what does that ideal investment look like for you? What were some of your criteria? So ideal investments is, it's interesting, uh, uh i guess old dominion i don't own my parents do which i help uh, i help direct them a little bit but uh that's like uh kind of like my i think the business i i just absolutely love it's a um basically it's a physical network it's not just a network effect like there's marketplaces out there that are beautiful high returns on capital etc but it's kind of hard sometimes to keep your competitors out because if you have a really good business everybody's like oh that's a fantastic business i want to compete the, the beauty of like the old dominion model is because there's a physical element, there's a real estate element, you have to basically locate, find warehouses so you can consolidate uh, the shipments in, you can ship it cross country, break it up, and then ship it to the various parties on your destination. And because of that physical network, like you kind of need a physical network, you need a warehouse to convince shippers to give you business. And at the same time, you need business to convince yourself to make investments in the real estate. So that's it's just a beautiful model. And that's why, you know, you can look over time, the gross margins expand over time, their operating margins expand over time. Very good. So, so that's mean, my favorite. <laughs> fair enough. All right. So, I mean, you you know, you also mentioned that you like, you like hunting where there's troughs right now. Obviously, freight transportation is kind of there. 
as we speak, but what, what other sectors do you see are, are there right now? And what are some of the, your criteria for those areas that have been kind of piquing your interest? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of hard, like energy for a while I was curious about, but it seems like it's caught like more attention recently. So uh, maybe there's still some ways to go because it's just for a long time. We're just, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because you look at energy consumption, it just like people are ch- talking about renewables, but like you can see like the oil consumption, everything is just going like increasing, like even as we're expanding renewables. I mean, in an ideal world, we can figure out, you know, storage issues and we can go to renewables, but it's a fact of matters. We need energy and we'll probably need more of it as, as world hopefully uh, keeps on getting richer, especially the, develop, the developing world. So that's one sector I was interested in. I guess I'm still kind of sitting around uh, holding some of that. Uh, recently, I'm taking a look at some financials. I think financial interesting. Uh, I wish there was more of a capital cycle story there, but um, I guess there's, I, I, in my mind, there's some winners and losers to higher interest rate environments. And it's like with the financial, it's like you're basically, it's a spread business. So the question is like, what percentage of your assets are floating versus you're fixed? Uh, and on alternate liabilities. So potentially there's going to be some that do really well and potentially some that, you know, don't do very well at all. But I find financial is also an interesting sector to dig in. Very cool. All right. So then what 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 is your process? You know, let's say you find something that's interesting. You want to look a little deeper. You know, what what's your process to then when you, you know, size it up into a full position? Uh, it kind of depends i i'm 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 kind of like uh it depends on the the, the company like i i kind of like just like to look in general like to understand what the business looks like like the 10k the mdna is almost always like the first step uh and then the second step is usually i pull up ticker and take a look at you know what the what the fundamentals look like the margins returns on capital intensity if there's lots of debt etc tries just to get a, like a really long dated view see what happened in recessions last downturn see the cyclicality of a business so between the two of them i think one understanding the business trying to like form the qualitative you know is this a good business is it a bad business is it, it should be capital intensive do i expect them to be able to borrow at low rates or like should they even have a lot of debt and then looking comparing that uh, the business description and like kind of my prior framework for the business with the actual numbers. And then that's kind of the where, where it starts. And from there, it can go a billion different directions. Sometimes I talk to management uh, as very quickly. Sometimes I never talk to management at all. Sometimes I dive in and look at uh, parts of a balance sheet and try to understand the assets, liabilities, et cetera. Sometimes I look at earnings power. It just, it really depends on the business. So. Absolutely. But yeah, that's kind of the start. And then the, and then the scale up is as I get more, you know, comfortable, I, I go, hey, this is a, I think this is a great idea. I'll probably, I, I want to outsize uh, stake in this, uh, in this company. Sure thing. So like I said, we, uh, at the beginning, we've, you know, we've been to a number of uh, microcap conferences together. I think we've sat at a few tables together where we've uh, asked management teams a few questions and, and uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, a little bit of some grilling. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So, I mean, in your opinion, what, what are some, how often do you like to talk to management? You know, how do you like to approach them when, you know, this is a company that you're looking at as for potential investment? Oh boy. You're trying to get all my secrets. Uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, when I do talk to management, it's, it's, it really depends. I think like I don't talk to them that much, like one, probably one out of every three, four investments I talk to management. So it's, I'm not a often, like what I do, it's like, 
I mean, I, it's really two things I'm trying to ascertain. One is like, I want to understand like what they're going forward, doing going forward. Uh, two, I just want to like validate what they say. Like, you know, for better or worse, like we're all salespeople. Like we all talk about, you know, talk a nice game and talk about like our companies going up and to the right, like our portfolio, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, it's, when in reality, it's funny, like you look at, you know, even my own sales side models, like you can look at like a few years down the road, you're like, oh, wow, well, uh, I guess I missed, I was too optimistic in my projections. So like, so it's really just to ascertain, you know, what, what management thinks and, you know, how to explain some of the choices they made and try to figure out if the numbers are, make sense if, you know, sanity check against, uh, what, what they say and, uh, try to figure out if, you know, the future prospects are as bright as many management teams want you to believe. Absolutely. So what, what would you say is an investing experience that really changed your career the most? Like what? Tell me. Uh, I think, and I can't remember a year anymore, but uh, it was an interesting investment. I think, well, first I read Joe Greenblatt's, you know, you can be a stock market genius. I think that's popular. And then I was just fishing around. It took a few years before, I think a year or so before I actually landed on something that was super interesting. There was just this odd, like, um, company called Armar Group. I don't own it anymore. No, no ownership. But uh, basically, what happened was it was a bunch of REITs, uh, and they decided to distribute the management company um, via their REITs. So you have a bunch of REIT owners who are owning something for income in like a, you know a different tax structure, and they spit out basically a C corp to pro rata to their uh, underlying REIT holders. And I was looking at it, I was like, well, one, that's a really weird transaction. Cause like even today, like if you look at like historical record spinoffs, it, it wasn't like technically a spinoff, but in theory, like it, it suffered from the exact same like spinoff, like dynamics, basically. It was basically immediately an orphan security. And you look at the earnings and you, you backed into it. It's like, wow, this thing's at like eight times earnings. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's a management company and you know, like there's no capex, there's barely any capex. So like this should at least be, you know, 14, 15, 16 times earnings, like immediately. Uh, and yeah, so that was like the first like experience. I was like, wow, well, one, I can actually find these things Two, these things that inefficiencies do actually exist. And that kind of sparked the moment because before I was like, yeah, there's like this book theory. It's like, yeah, you read all these things, you do all this work and can find these inefficient solution uh, situations. But I was like, yeah, but really, can I do it? And that was kind of an aha moment going, hey, uh, actually, if you do the work, sometimes things literally do fall out of the wood woods and you and are like home run type of opportunities. 100%. That's a great story, man. I, it, has there been has there been one experience that you really, you know, learn the most from? I mean, most often that's usually been a negative experience. And if it is, you don't have to name the name if you don't want to. No, all good. Um, I, I learned from Black, like Blackberry was like, uh, I invested that back in the day back when like Apple started making inroads on, on their business. Yeah, as you can see, it was a bad idea. I was I bought it off trailing, you know, PE, like PE trailing PE was like six, seven, eight. Um, obviously, I think I probably should get more like update mics, like, you know, to a more recent one, because that's a pretty basic lesson. Uh, you should buy on future um, future earnings, not historical, basically. And I don't own BlackBerry anymore, obviously. <laughs> Very cool. I, you know, go, going back to the our freight transportation you know, conversation here. And I know you said you've been, you're, you, it's been, a, it's been a little bit since you've been kind of up to getting yourself more up to date, but without having done maybe some more deep dive research and seeing, you know, maybe how things are, are responding or how, what the basic sentiment is right now, if you had to guess 
what would you say is the sentiment right now? And how should folks be really thinking about freight transportation sector, do you think? So I think the first thing to know about freight transports, and I think one of our uh, former like person, uh, managing directors at one of my older Southside firms was saying that freight transport is a very early cycle. It's extremely early cycle. It's so early cycle. And his his comment was, it's so early cycle that in some sense, he look at it and like it's act, it looks like it's late cycle. Like it starts turning before anything else. So the the thing is right now, fundamentals are obvious pretty, like I, I that's why do you know fundamentals are pretty awful? Like you look at any metric, whether it's inbound freight off the West Coast port, you look at um, trucking, uh, it's rates, they're just, it's the numbers don't look good. I mean, a talk obviously doesn't look good. There's always also this thing called a bullwhip effect, which is super interesting because basically it just says the further up, like, small change of demand in the downstream set like the very downstream on the consumer side like if you go up the stream it can lead to very very big like misprojections in like the supply chain and what basically happened was you look at you know 2020 2021 because there was so much money going into the system and everybody was sitting at home basically everyone bought a crap load of goods and you know people you know businesses of all sorts are like wow this is great we're gonna grow like at like five ten percent forever or something like that. or maybe maybe not but like they just projected for like this huge ramp in demand and then i guess predictably like you kind of the next steps is you over order and it's i think it's telling if you look at like target which i don't own i think they commented that there was like they were over inventory in like the first quarter and they're like one of the in my opinion it's like one of the sharpest like uh like sharp sharpest on the supply chain and if they're made like misjudged demand you can kind of imagine like what the rest of the world did so that's kind of what's happened so the tail end of bullwhip is basically people are like wow we ordered all this stuff and people weren't actually that enamored with like exercise bikes or something like that it was just a one-time type of thing so yeah so that's kind of like what your sentiment is but that said you know stocks are different stocks are not the economy so the stocks can they can start increasing before the fundamentals you see the bottom there Absolutely. Well, because uh, if we start thinking about this, you know, because it's almost like, and, and I, and please, I'm not an economist, so please don't don't come for me in my DMs or anything <laughs> like that. But it is almost like a microcosm of what the almost like a consumer sentiment index, right? When you look at freight and transportation, in a sense, because. Um, well, especially nowadays, because it's just very well accepted that people tend to buy more online at this point. So as a result, they got to shift ship the goods. They got to get to the people. Um, so it's interesting when you think about it right now, we're kind of in this recessionary type environment. You know, maybe discretionary spending isn't as high. And yet people are still buying and ordering things online at Maybe not the same clip we were in 2020, but how do these types of companies react and plan for these things? Because that just seems like a metric and uh, and a calculation that I don't know. Maybe maybe Einstein can figure it out, but I don't know how how even those folks within these businesses calculate that. You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's that's where like you know I can't. That's more practical. Like right now, I'm pretty theory oriented. Like. I mean, you obviously have to predict. I think. I think. I think. What's interesting, and this is a hypothesis of mine, to be clear. So I'm not sure. Like supply chain managers are generally fairly risk averse. Like the last thing you want as a supply chain manager is to be, you know, pulled into front of your C level execs and have a CEO go, you like, seriously, what the heck's going on? Like, why? You're. What? What do you mean? We're not going to get our inventory by Christmas? And I think that's what happened in 2021. 
And I wonder if, yeah, to this year people are like, well, that was a terrible experience. I don't want to do that. So like, by all means, like whatever the heck happens, I want to be sure I'm early this year and avoid the, you know, the year end crunch, avoid having to explain to my CEO why the heck we don't have enough inventory for Christmas. So I think that also like plays a part. So you can see kind of supply chain managers, they try to predict as much as possible, but at the same time, I think everyone, and I, I think that's also super interesting if you look at it from a broader lens as well. I don't want to uh, completely go off on a rant, but to, to see the human like implications where you kind of say, you know, we have to make our best prediction, but at the same time, I also don't want to, you know, I want to preserve my job. I want to look like I'm competent, etc. So I'm going to lean towards one way or the other, just because I just don't want to look like maybe rationally I should do something else, but I just don't want to look bad or something like that. So I think it's super interesting there too. But the, the, short, the short answer is I'm not really sure. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I, don't worry. I wasn't asking you to come up with the actual calculation itself because <laughs> I, I think between the two of us, like I think, you know, we're okay, you know, brain power wise. I don't know if we're, we're there, but I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> <laughs> For those of the audio back agreed, he, he shook his head, you know, was in, in agreement here. Um, but, um, you know, it's just still, it's just very interesting to kind of understand, um, you know, if you're kind of looking, it's, but, I mean, it's obviously cyclical, right? It's a cyclical industry. We're heading into the, we're in the holiday season right now. So clearly there's even more goods being shipped and more things being ordered. I mean, is that one way that some folks kind of play it is that they're like, all right, you know, I'm going to look at this industry come summertime because I know that the high city move is going to go up. All these orders are going to come in. And then, you know, and then is it out in January? Like how, 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 how do most folks tend to play this sector? uh i mean it really depends on like how fast their money is so some guys play quarters um i mean i'm personally i'm now you know i was never fast money so i was always uh on the sell side or like in a, like more of a distress was a longer term thing so i mean the way i look at it is you know a lot of the stuff you know you you, you can see that there's a ramp you expect that there's a peak season july august september i think it's august I'm not even sure what the, what the what the months are anymore. But ahead of like basically Black Friday, you can see that there's a there's a pickup in demand. Also back to school, but those are all like expected. So like the game you're playing really is word is relative expectations because you know a lot of people can expect you you can't really make money if everyone expects something to be happen because then you just pay up a little bit more when things are quieter in the summertime. And then once once you see a ramp, you're like, okay, that's where we kind of you know make uh make our uh. I'm forgetting my make our money worse there. So it's more like trade versus sentiment. You can't do that. Alternatively, you can also just say, look through what you want to kind of do. Now I'm like, you know, look at all these businesses. Some are really good businesses. So yes, next year is going to be rough and maybe we get a sell off. Uh, but if you look at long term, you know, some of these are really good businesses. And if you hold through, you know, long term, it's it, the, 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 um, the stock performance basically converges to your under, underlying business quality, returns of capital, et cetera. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, last question on the freight transportation side of things, you know, you mentioned Old Dominion already, you know, on the micro, have there been any in the micro cap side that not necessarily naming the company or anything, but what are some criteria that you really hone in on when it's, you know, micro cap freight, sh especially shipping, right? Shipping, is, that was, that was all the rage. I feel like, uh, what was that last year, somewhere in that August timeframe, um, you know, love, love to hear your thoughts there. 
Um, I've actually never bought a microcap <laughs> transportation company. <laughs> Do you mean scale? Scale makes a difference here. Like, like old domain is a scale play. Like, you need uh, the national network. Uh, even the brokerages that I like a lot, like where they match, uh, basically a, a guy with a truck with a shipper. That's also to some extent a scale play. I mean, most of the companies are, and then there's companies that provide resources to like the independent agents, uh, Landstar, which I don't own. I wrote about, uh, actually they, all of their agents are small businesses. So I don't know if that counts, but the business itself is, is not a, it's like a mid, mid cap ish. But so, so yeah, so I don't, I don't really touch that. My micro caps much more like esoteric one off. Like these are random companies that are, don't really fall into any neat boxes. Gotcha. Do you cover? Did, did you look at shipping at all, as well as part as part of this ecosystem of companies or basket of companies? So I have to look at shipping because I looked at like stuff like uh, I still don't own any either expediters or like C.H. Robinson even. Um, but I don't really. I, I yeah, I've looked at it. I I don't really love the, the businesses because they're really like competition is rough and. I guess a fundamental dynamic of like a large, like a shipping company, like boat company in my mind is the solution when you have a lot of competition is, well, if we get a bigger boat, um, you know, we get 50% bigger boat, we can reduce our costs by, I don't know, 10, 20%, which is great if you're working like in like a monopoly or duopoly situation. But when you're in a very competitive market, what ends up happening is like basically five years in a row, you realize that everyone has the old boats and also the new boats, which are 20% bigger. So therefore, like pricing doesn't really like pricing kind of just downships and you don't really get any cost savings uh, because everyone else got a bigger boat and you don't really have competitive advantage. So to me, like shipping, I, I just never really got comfortable with that kind of like those dynamics there. So Vank, to close us out here today, you know, from your experience, what, what advice would you have for folks that are just starting to look at, you know, the planes, trains and trucks uh sector right now you know how, how should they think about it how should they evaluate it and what are maybe some things that they should are red flags that should they should really know about as well uh what should i know about right now i mean it's uh i think it's out of all sectors i looked at i think that's one sector where you should get on the ground like just talk to people like it's uh, again, it's like it's not like a, a lot of industries where you can kind of walk in, test your product out. If or unless you are a shipping manager, it's it's kind of like this thing goes behind the goes behind the machine almost. And yeah, you, you should try to understand and talk to people, truckers, shippers, etc., to understand the underlying business. That's one probably one recommendation. The other is yeah, just to recognize that there's you know the uh, the underlying dynamics. Like it's it's interesting to think of freight transportation as kind of a monolith, but really like as with any sector, there's differences. There's there's businesses where where there's duopolies, monopolies. Like rails are duopolies, for example. We didn't even talk about that, but and there's other sectors like trucks, trucking companies, where there's literally like hundreds, I think thousands of small trucking companies throughout the United States competing against each other. So like depending on the sector, you end up like they could, they're all, all driven by the same like underlying macro factor of like shipping, domestic demand, et cetera. But if you look at the individual industry, uh, you know, uh, like how they, how they like trade, it, they can be very, very different depending on where you end up in the, in the subsectors. Very good. All right, well, Vank, we're there, man. We're, with that, where can our audience go and find more information on you, following you on social media? 
Uh, sure. I mean, I'm on Twitter for my investment folks. I'm on Twitter, uh, V-A-N-C-K-Z-A-G at Twitter. So that's probably the easiest way to get, get to me. Very cool. Well, Vang, dude, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to seeing you at an event soon. Yeah, I'm going to drop by one of these days. Las Vegas? Yeah, Vegas, man. Hop on a truck. Get out there. Or a train. Or a plane. Or a truck. Or a plane. Yeah, plane's definitely preferable. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been a blast, Bobby. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Podcast.